Barefooting with Sierra uses Buzzsprout. Just start with the equipment you already have and a quiet space, add Buzzsprout, and your podcast is ready to go. You'll get a great-looking podcast website, audio players that you can drop into other websites, detailed analytics to show how people are listening, tools to promote your episodes, and more. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners. Following the link in the show notes lets Buzzsprout know I sent you, gets you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan, and helps support the show. The team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout and get your message out to the world. Hello and welcome to the 11th episode of Barefooting with Sierra. My name is Sierra Larson, better known as Barefoot Sierra. I'm a novelist, comic creator, and independent journalist, and I have been living without shoes since 2010. I created this podcast to keep my audiences in touch with all of my projects, to talk about things I care about, and to interact with the awesome people in my various professional networks. In this episode, I interviewed Nikki from Pony House Homeschool. I'm going to break this podcast up into four parts. Novels, comics, journalism, and barefooting, each representing a different aspect of my professional life. I will give you updates on what I am working on, let you know about any new works you can see, and keep you in the know about when I do free book giveaways on Amazon. Let's get started. First up, novels. I'm about 15% of the way through my final round of editing my novel Red 72 Revelation. I'm still making steady progress. I'm hoping to have that ready for cover design by April. In novel news today, Edouard Louis announced on Instagram today that two of his books, Ending of Eddie Belleguel and Who Killed My Father, will be adapted for a Netflix series entitled The End of Eddie. Oscar-winning screenwriter James Ivory is writing the script. George R. R. Martin released an update about the sixth Game of Thrones book, Winds of Winter. His statement reads in part, I wrote hundreds and hundreds of pages of the Winds of Winter in 2020. I still have hundreds of more pages to write. That's what 2021 is for, I hope. I will make no predictions on when I will finish. All I will say is that I am hopeful. We're hopeful too, George. Hopeful that you will finish this book before you die. I get it. It's your grand finale and you want it to be perfect. Trust me, I know I'm there right now. But I'm coming to realize that done is better than perfect. And maybe that's something George R.R. R. Martin should think about. Just a thought. Now on to comics. At my son's request, I did a Godzilla possum for today's comic. My son has autism and he's completely fixated on Godzilla right now. He can tell you all the names of all the monsters Godzilla fights and all about the different eras of Godzilla movies. I usually pull up a wiki page so I know what he's saying when he talks about it. I don't know how he keeps track of it all. It's pretty remarkable. He's been asking me to do a Possilla with laser breath for about a week now, so I asked him to find me some reference images so I would know what he wanted. I've only ever seen the 1998 Godzilla movie with Matthew Broderick. My son calls that one the one Godzilla movie with the guy you don't like. I can't help seeing him as Ferris Bueller, and I just can't take that movie seriously. And Godzilla doesn't even have laser breath or whatever in that one. So my son came through for me, found a bunch of reference images, and I did my part and came through for him. One Possilla comic, just for him. In comic news today, Marvel is running a contest for their Marvel insiders. You can enter to win a chance at getting drawn into an upcoming X-Men issue. To enter, log into your Marvel Insiders account and on marvel.com. Each entry costs 2,500 points. You can earn points by watching Marvel videos, listening to Marvel podcasts, and interacting on the website. Good luck, everyone! DC has unveiled a new character to carry the Wonder Girl mantle, Yara Floor. 
She's the first iteration of either Wonder Girl or Wonder Woman to have a series made entirely by a female writer and illustrator, Joelle Jones. Her upcoming comic book series will be the first Wonder Girl series in DC history. Another first for Yara, she's the first Amazon to actually be from the Amazon. Wonder Girl number one will come out in May. All right, next up is journalism. COVID is still holding up my court transcripts. It's honestly probably going to be a few more months because there were hardly any people at the courthouse. Only essential staff for hearings that have to happen immediately. I would appreciate it if they would hurry it up a bit. I know some of the transcripts I requested have already been transcribed before because they were used as evidence in the appeal trial. So that's not the holdup. The request is probably just sitting in a clerk's mailbox waiting for them to come back from work from home duty or something. Every day in February, I'm highlighting one influential Black history figure. Today's Black History Month highlight is Dorothy Irene Height, a civil rights and women's rights activist. She was born in Richmond, Virginia on the 24th of March, 1912. As a teenager, she was enthusiastically involved in the Young Women's Christian Association, YWCA, even serving as president of her local club in spite of the fact that she wasn't allowed to swim in their pool due to her race. While in high school, she won a $1,000 award at a national oratory contest held by the Elks Lodge. She graduated from Rankin High School in 1929 and was accepted to Barnard College, but was barred from attending due to limits on the number of black students they would accept each year. Just two. She instead enrolled at New York University, where she did both her undergraduate studies and a master's degree in educational psychology. She then did postgraduate studies in social work at Columbia University. After completing this degree in 1934, she began working in the New York City Department of Welfare, then moved to a job as a counselor at the Harlem YWCA in 1937. In 1938, she served as acting director of the Emma Ransom House, a low-cost temporary housing solution for black women run by the YWCA. In 1939, she went to Washington, D.C. to become executive director of a YWCA branch there and returned to New York City in 1944 to join the national YWCA staff with special responsibility for interracial relations. Under her leadership, the YWCA adopted their interracial charter in 1946, pledging to fight against racial injustice in their community, nation, and world. Height spent the fall of 1952 in India as a visiting professor at the Delhi School of Social Work, then returned to her work in New York City. She became president of the National Council of Negro Women in 1958 and used her influence to organize meetings between white and black women in both the northern and southern United States to work against segregation. In 1963, the National Board of YWCAs appointed her director of the Office of Racial Integration, making her responsible for desegregating and integrating clubs across the United States. In 1974, she took part in the National Commission for the Protection of Human Subjects of Biomedical and Behavioral Research's Belmont Report on the Tuskegee Syphilis Study. She officially retired from the YWCA in 1977, but remained an honorary board member for the rest of her life. In 1990, Height retired from her position as president of the National Council of Negro Women and helped found African American Women for Reproductive Freedom. She was inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame in 1993. The musical If This Hat Could Talk, which debuted in 2005, is based on her memoirs. On the 25th of March 2010, she was admitted to Howard University Hospital in Washington, D.C., much to her chagrin, as she had to cancel speaking engagements as a result. She died six weeks later on the 20th of April 2010. President Barack Obama gave her eulogy, 
calling her the godmother of the civil rights movement and a hero to so many Americans. Before her passing, Dorothy Height said, I want to be remembered as someone who used herself and anything she could touch for justice and freedom. I want to be remembered as one who tried. I feel like I could end the episode right there, but I still have more for you. Coming up next is my interview with Nikki of Pony House Homeschool. Hi, Nikki. Thanks for joining me on the show. Please tell the listeners where you're from and a little bit about yourself. Thanks, Sierra. Um, I am from a small town in southern Alberta called McGrath, and I am a home educator and mom to my three boys. And we were actually in Edmonton when we first started our homeschooling journey and have been kind of in and out of the scene ever since. And we actually moved down to McGrath while we were homeschooling, which was a big help for us. So how did you first decide to start homeschooling? So I've actually chosen to start this process a few different times, depending on what the needs of my individual kids were at that time. The first time that we ventured into it, my oldest was going through some really big mental health struggles. And although the school staff was super supportive and tried their hardest to support him, it just wasn't an environment that allowed him to heal well at that time. So we did what's called a mid-year rescue for him then and pulled him out and started homeschooling him in the middle of the year. And then that fall, his brothers joined us because it looked fun and they wanted to try it. And then my oldest homeschooled again for most of grade seven for health reasons. And this year we had actually decided pre-pandemic that we were going to go back to it. The timing just looked really odd when a lot of other families decided to give it a try for this year as well. And some of the reasons we chose to do it this time were an upcoming staff member's teaching style didn't jive well with our family and We just really missed the closeness that we had as a family the year that I had all three of them homeschooling at home, and we really wanted to regain that. So, yeah. Awesome. And from what I understand, you do a parent-led curriculum over the government-provided curriculum. Can you explain the difference and why you chose to do the parent-led one? So when we first started with that mid-year rescue, uh, parent-led homeschooling was actually the only option available to me mid-year just because of how funding works and stuff like that. Um, But I think something that a lot of people don't know is that you can choose to follow the government curriculum in a parent-led program. The difference is actually who is in charge of picking the resources and delivering the education, who is ultimately responsible for that. With parent-led, it falls onto the parent, which I enjoy that aspect of it, so it works really well for us. And with teacher-led, it's ultimately the teacher's responsibility to pick what resources to use and to make sure the education is being delivered to the student. So next year, my kids actually will be closely following the Alberta curriculum, but we still will be staying parent-led. Therefore, I will still be ultimately responsible for their learning. All right. So how do you come up with your lesson plans? Um, First, I decide which subjects we're going to do that year. Uh, The core subjects and gym are always there. This year, we also decided to include art, religion, health, cooking, and life skills. I then decide what resources I would like to use for the year. Um, I personally tend to gravitate toward things that are already broken down into lessons for me. And then I divide their content down into what would need to be accomplished each day 
and I have a planner that I write all of that in so it has what needs to be done for every subject for every day for every kid um, that planning style works best for my family I know a lot of other families are able to be a lot more relaxed and that works for them but with my kids all having ADHD they really require that structure and it's easier for me to make sure that we're doing everything we've committed to doing good stuff so with your oldest being you know getting a bit older subjects being a bit more advanced how do you make sure he's getting the in-depth knowledge about subjects that you're not necessarily an expert in it's actually really funny that my weakest subject is very much his strongest subject he is years beyond his grade level in science and that's my weak area so he actually is very easily self-taught in science but it's also a lot of fun to learn along with my kids if I don't already know what they're doing and there's always looking it up online looking at videos about it um, there's online courses if it's a subject you're really not comfortable teaching my kids do that for math just because it is an easy subject for them so it's actually really easy to work with your weaker subjects if you're willing to get creative with it all right um, what does a typical day look like for your family with homeschooling? Um, right now, because I'm actually still adjusting to a medication that makes me really groggy in the morning, we get a late start on our schooling. So when my kids get up before me, that's their time to get up, eat, do some chores, and my oldest will start his school then because he's a very independent learner and doesn't require me to be very hands-on. And my youngest will sometimes do his math then as well before I'm up and moving for the day. Then we do our combined subjects together once I'm up, which are science and social studies this year. And after that, I'm sitting there at the table available for help if they need it while they work on their remaining subjects. And um, our schoolwork usually takes us four hours at the most. It's usually less for my older two. And then they have the rest of the day to do whatever they'd like, walk the dog. It's theirs to do what they want. Very cool. It sounds very similar to my own homeschool experience the year that my mom homeschooled me. It's a lot more free time than being at an actual school. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they definitely enjoy that aspect. Yeah. Um, so what do you think is most important for someone who's going to start homeschooling to know? I actually have two different things I wanted to say for this. Um, the first is to try and work with a single mentor instead of asking everybody and their dog for advice. I find it's a lot less confusing that way if you just have one point person. I know some of the Facebook groups that I'm on for homeschooling offer mentor partnerships, so I highly would recommend something similar to that. And the second thing I would say is that it is way less stressful than you think it is going to be. I remember when I first started, everything felt so overwhelming and I overthought everything. And it didn't take very long at all before I felt really comfortable with being my kid's educator and in the world of homeschooling itself. That's great. Yeah, it's self-confidence. That's, you know, what's best for your kids. So um, who's inspired you most in your homeschooling journey? In the beginning, it was definitely my friend and family member, Kyla, who was already homeschooling her kids. She was my biggest cheerleader and inspiration in the beginning. It's kind of expanded now to a couple other friends and YouTubers. And I also want to give a shout out to 
the Canadian Online Homeschool Conference. I'm going to be tuning into that for a third year in just a couple days, and a lot of the sessions for that are hugely inspiring to me. That's awesome, yeah. Is How do you think that compares to the school council conferences that you've gone to? Um. Well, because I've attended school conference or sorry, school council conferences in person and this conference is online, it is a different dynamic, but it's a lot easier to take in things at my own pace with the online forum that they use. And so I like that it's easier to take things as I need them as opposed to trying to pack everything into a small time frame. But they definitely both have their pros and cons. Like most things in life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like you found something that really worked well for your family. Uh, what's the worst advice that you've seen for homeschooling that you think people should avoid doing? Um, I don't, I have a hard time with this because it's not like specifically given in homeschooling. But when we first pulled our oldest son out, his therapist that he was seeing at the time told us that we'd ruined his chances of ever getting into post-secondary ever and that we should just put him back in public school immediately. And that was totally factually inaccurate. And it ultimately destroyed our working relationship. We didn't see her anymore after that. And that's definitely not true. I had tons of friends in university who'd been homeschooled. Yes. <laughs> That's, yeah, that's very, why would so, you say that? <laughs> yeah, just anything that isn't um, supportive without actual factual basis behind it is not good advice. <laughs> All right. And what's the best advice you've received? Probably that it's okay to readjust our plans and resources if they aren't working for us doesn't matter what time of the year it is. I've done that a few times this year and things always feel much better after I'm willing to readjust what isn't working. Good stuff. Was there anything you wanted to add that I didn't ask you about? Um, I kind of just wanted to mention like I homeschool my kids while I battle a whole bunch of mental illness and fibromyalgia. So I just want to make it very clear that it is possible to do this and enjoy it while battling chronic health issues. It's important to me that people understand it's totally possible. Good to know. Um, yeah, that's, you're an inspiration <laughs> to me. Um, I, I personally could not do homeschooling. We, we tried it at the beginning of the pandemic and it did not work for us. That's not what my kid needs. He needs that in-person support that he gets in school, but every family is different. Every kid has unique needs and homeschooling meets those needs for some kids better than being in a classroom would. So I'm so glad that you've been able to find what works for your kids. And I'm glad you've come on this podcast so that you can hopefully inspire others who may need to find that opportunity for their family. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. You can find Nikki on Instagram at Pony House Homeschool. Last but not least, let's talk about barefooting. Four more days of quarantine until I get that sweet, sweet freedom back and I can go barefoot everywhere again instead of just around my apartment, which feels tinier by the hour.
Let's jump into the Barefoot News. Married at First Sight stars Martha Califatidis and Michael Brunelli were spotted out together barefoot in Bondi Beach, Australia. Martha was wearing just a hat, t-shirt, and hopefully a bathing suit underneath. Michael was in a hat, t-shirt, and swim trunks. The couple, who have remained together in the two years since first appearing on the show together, appeared to be enjoying a lunch date after a morning trip to the ocean. Australia's Transitions Film Festival is going online this year. They announced their full lineup of films today, including one called Barefoot, a documentary following activist Mark Bomber as he walked barefoot across the United States for 100 days to bring attention to climate change. You can see the full lineup of films and purchase tickets at transitionsfilmfestival.com. That's all for today's show. I'll be back for another interview tomorrow, this time with Tyler Leach, an autism advocate, special Olympian, and barefooter. Thanks so much for listening in. If you have any questions or comments, you can send them to sierrathebarefootgirl at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram at sierrathebarefoot, on Facebook as Sierra the Barefoot Girl, on Twitter at Sierra Barefoot, and on TikTok at Sierra is Barefoot. You can follow the podcast itself on Instagram at Barefooting with Sierra. All of my books are available on Amazon. My comics are available on Instagram at World of Possums and Patreon.com slash Possum Thank you to Legion X for the intro and outro music. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening. And please share it with a friend if you've enjoyed it. Until next time, this has been Barefooting with Sierra.